0: week hiatus. We're back with Dad's Right, Season Three, Episode Eighteen.
1: All right,
0: are you are you feeling fully charged again, Dylan? Now that we've had that week off. Yeah, well, as fully charged as I can feel, it's uh, it's pretty
1: pretty tiring still. and, and uh, But, you know, this week's Tech Week, and then we go into Show Week, and uh, despite that...
0: I didn't realize you were uh, only a week
1: away from Show Week. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, you know, condensed process. But all our classes are done. So we don't start our day till 2.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, rehearsals go till 10, but... Uh, so it's still like a full day but we can sleep in and take some of the morning to get some stuff done so hopefully it all becomes a bit more manageable
0: oh so all your classes are done you got you got grades for everything and it's just your last two studios then you're you graduated we don't
1: have grades for everything yet because they just finished okay but but yes essentially
0: that's cool and then so this show is tech week this week show week next week and then sunday off and then into the next one into dracula that'll be cool dracula will be fun maybe by then they'll allow audiences what are the odds slim 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 to none, slim to none. <laughs> unfortunately that's too bad because i'm close
1: yeah oh well recordings i
0: guess yeah well, as long as they do as good a job as they did with that last one
1: yeah at least the same people so i imagine they will
0: are they doing all of them or are they doing the birds or just dracula no, everything's recorded.
1: Oh, awesome! And it'll be ten bucks. Yeah, although the audio quality might be different because we're not going to be mic'd for these ones.
0: Oh, so we won't be able to hear? It'll be like mime. Yeah,
1: I don't. I f- or they'll set up a microphone. I don't know what the plan is, but I know we won't be mic'd. Why? Um, they don't. I mean, it's rare to be mic'd on stage. They only did. It, I don't remember why we did it for Secret in the Wings, honestly. But there was like a special ca- case.
0: Wow. Anyway, good times, bad times. You wanna, you
1: wanna go? Yeah. So I have one good time. Kevin J. Johnston, a Calgary mayoral candidate who had threatened to arm himself and go to the homes of health workers, was arrested after attending an illegal public gathering on Saturday. Johnston had posted videos of himself speaking about his intentions to arrest health workers if he was elected mayor. He was seen on Saturday approaching police who are enforcing health orders near a protest against pandemic-related health restrictions in downtown Calgary. He is facing charges for hate crimes and assault uh, in Ontario and BC, and is known for organizing, leading, and speaking at protests against public health restrictions during the pandemic. He has previously attempted to publish the private information of Alberta Health Services employees, and this comes on the wake of a growing fear because as a mayoral candidate, he was going to be given access to addresses, phone numbers, and names and emails for like canvassing and stuff of health workers and others, um, but he specifically threatened health workers, so there was a fear about him getting this personal information. Well, um,
0: why is but he, now it's jail. Why is he arresting health workers?
1: Uh... And because he's crazy, and he thinks, I guess, they're lying to the public about COVID for some crazy conspiracy reason.
0: But health workers, health workers yes. aren't lying to anyone. They're just trying to keep people healthy. Yeah, but that's not what he thinks, I guess. Like, it's not like I mean, nurses it make are. Sense.
1: Going... He's nuts.
0: Okay. All right. So there's no logic. <laughs> no, there clearly isn't any logic,
1: but dangerous. And really raises questions about, like, are you actually just giving personal information to anybody who files to run for mayor? Because literally anybody can file to run for mayor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You need some sort of so many signatures, though, right? Yeah, but it's easy to get those things online.
1: You only need, like, you know, a few thousand. And in a city of 1.2 million or whatever, it's easy to find that many conspiracy theorists, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of like what we talked about last week with or 2 weeks ago with the uh, you know, just in general, do we yeah, need to re- do we need to relook touch. at how many signatures need to be on a petition before it's legitimate?
1: Yeah, cuz you can so easily put things up online these days and
0: yeah. get them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like it's a good thing that he's not going to run for mayor. Oh, he's actually not running for mayor, but he's arrested. I'm not sure you can run for mayor for run for mayor from jail. Can you? you know, I don't know when he's gonna get out. Oh okay, so he, he's he's just like he hasn't been tried or anything, he's just been arrested. Yeah. He's
1: not in prison, he's just in jail. Gotcha. Okay. Um and the election's not till October eighteenth. But hopefully, this has some sort of long-term consequences for him well
0: yeah and i i would think threatening to arm yourself and go to people's houses is enough to keep you out of the mayoral race i would hope you would hope that facing
1: hate crime charges in bc and ontario would be enough but apparently not
0: well hopefully it turns into a good time anyway doesn't sound like it's quite there yet I he was the main story is he was arrested and that's good all right <laughs> i have a couple uh Pfizer has applied for full approval from the FDA, and I, I gotta say, I kinda thought they already had full approval. I got the Pfizer vaccine. What's this mean?
1: What's <laughs> it means they can give it to kids.
0: Oh, is that, that's all, that's all the difference is? Yes.
1: Because we
0: care more about kids than adults? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. UK supermarkets threaten to stop buying from Brazil in protest of the Amazon deforestation then again, this is... I think that's great, but it's only a really good time if they follow through. Like, literally stop buying those products if they continue down the path that they're on of uh, deforestation of the Amazon. It's its a, a big issue. Yeah, it's a huge issue.
1: It's, and saving the Amazon is quintessential to stopping climate change.
0: Yeah, so good for the UK, and I hope other places follow suit. Yeah. That's all I got. Bad times...
1: Yeah, I got one, one bad time as well. Vancouver police officers wrongly detained and handcuffed a retired British Columbia Supreme Court justice who was out for a walk on Friday morning. Justice Selwyn Romley, 81, was the first black person appointed to the court, said he was walking around Stanley Park during his morning walk on Friday when two police vehicles pulled up nearby and about five white officers approached him. They said he matched the description of a suspected murderer. And the murderer, though, was only 40 to 50 years old. That was the age range, and he's and, and this justice is 81.
0: I hope he said thank you. Yeah.
1: It's a bit of a... Now, the, the full... I mean, they handcuffed him, they detained him, and then he said he was a retired judge and they released him a few minutes later, but it's still like there's a thirty to forty year age gap where like, come on.
0: Yeah, that's not and, that's not good. And the
1: fact recent. that it was four white officers and a, a, a black man
0: I mean well, the, the fact o- is the officers race, have to do their job regardless of race, but they also have to do a better job of matching Suspects to descriptions, forty to fifty yeah, is no, not eighty one. Absolutely, and
1: and I, I feel like the reason they didn't was it has to be. I mean, it's always a racial bias.
0: Forty to fifty is not eighty one. That's that's pretty bad.
1: Yeah. So to me, it has to be an unconscious racial bias. Like to me, it had or, to be ageism a black man. Like or ageism. Or they're
0: awesome. just, or they're just really dumb. I mean, they could be just dumb.
1: I suppose. I suppose. Always they, that possibility.
0: That yeah. guy looks fifty. Like if they're twenty, they might think that's what fifty looks like. That's <laughs> God. I hope not. Yeah, because you think they'd have parents. Never mind. They should know. Yeah. Like of the four cops, one of them at least would have one or two parents. It doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. No, it doesn't. So it, it it's not good the the mayor apologized
0: and like yeah <laughs> well i uh, i have a couple in san francisco this was a couple weeks back we had, a, we had two weeks of news to hit up and we just i just tried to get highlights from the two weeks but
1: so yeah this, me too this, i there was, was a lot i didn't get yeah, to. yeah
0: exactly so this was a couple weeks ago but two asian women aged 65 and 85 were stabbed while waiting for a bus. Uh, Just in San Francisco, they're just sitting at the bus stop, and this guy just runs up behind, stabs one, and then stabs the other. And it's just part of that, you know, big anti-Asian thing that's running through the states right now that's really awful.
1: Not just the states.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. It isn't just the states. Yeah. Uh, Texas would allow people to carry a handgun without a license and the background check and training that go with that license under a measure that given preliminary approval by the state senate on Wednesday. And that is just insane, I think. Uh, I mean, maybe they figure, ah, it's just a handgun. It's fine (laughs) because it's Texas. But you can just have a gun and walk around with it. Yeah. No training, no license. Cop doesn't know who... Who has it? Whose gun it is? Who it's registered to? None of that. Insane. Insane. Yeah,
1: it's really stupid. But also, you know, that matches everything
0: I know about Republicans. And Texas. Yeah. And after almost 100 years of operation, Greyhound Bus Lines, which is North America's largest motor coach operator, announced Thursday that it's shutting down all of its remaining inner-city bus routes in Canada. Blaming the pandemic for a sharp drop in its already dwindling ridership. Which is sad to see Greyhound go. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it, it's just... Who, who takes the bus? I Honestly. didn't know
1: what Greyhound was till I started hearing stories about them shutting down.
0: Everybody has a car nowadays. Like, it's just... It didn't used to be that way. It didn't used to be everybody had a car because they didn't give loans like lollipops back in the day. You had to save up for a car. But now you don't. You you can get a car with no money, and so everybody has one, which is, you know, fine, whatever. But it obviously hurts the bus. Quite frankly, I'm surprised the train's still operating. Like Via, not Go Train. Yeah. And finally, I, I didn't know where to put this. Good times, bad times... Parting thoughts, whatever. But we have put our house up on the market, and had had a number of people go through it. I think we're up to eleven, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it sells. We're sad. I mean, we really like the place. Sad to see it go, but you know, just circumstances what they are. We just can't uh, can't swing it anymore. So, too bad. It was a great house. We had a lot of fun there for three year, four years, and uh, hopefully the next one will be uh, similarly fun.
1: Yeah. I hope so. There's a kind of hush all over the world tonight all over the world you can hear the sounds right, all over the world. Loves loves. In
0: England in uh, Hartlepool anyway, uh, there was an election and the conservatives have beat Labor for the first time since that seat was created in—I uh, think it was 1970 or 1971. So, I guess people over there think uh, think Boris is doing a good job. And you know, as far as COVID goes, he seems to be. They're they're starting to allow hugs and everything over there again. So, yeah, they're coming a long way. I I feel like doing a good job with COVID
1: should not be something that. Like, that shouldn't be your only thing with politicians. It should really just be the minimum expected. <laughs> well, there would and, a lot of uh, people in the,
0: in the under minimum expected, but yeah.
1: Well, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, like, yeah, okay, great. They're doing an okay job with COVID. Um, they also butchered their Brexit exit. <laughs> um, they, you know, under his leadership, there is um, renewed... Strength in the Scottish independent movement. Scotland also had elections, and the SNP did fantastic. And they're, you know, calling for another independence referendum. The there's you know the the troubles in on the Irish border are escalating. We've talked about that. That had more uh, to
0: do with Brexit, which is again back to. But he didn't. He wasn't in charge when Brexit was decided. He wasn't in charge when it
1: was. When the referendum happened, he was not charge when the actual exit happened. Hmm. He could have negotiated a better exit deal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, did they even get... Yeah, I guess they did finally get a deal, but yeah. It was it was last minute, as everything tends to be. But anyway, yeah. they won a seat they hadn't won ever. So people over there like them.
1: Clearly. Yeah, Labor had a very bad... Election overall, because there was that by election. There was also a bunch of like city council elections,
0: yeah.
1: And the conservatives made a lot of gains, um, and the greens made a lot of gains. Labour had a lot of losses, and uh, I don't understand. And I, I have uh, two of the people that I work with or have worked with in the department are British, and I've talked to them about it. They don't understand either. They hate Boris Johnson and the conservative party, um, so they don't understand. That's honestly. One of them, one of my, uh, one of the directors I worked with in our six A three scenes, uh, early on before we had studio, he moved, he left England, once the Brexit referendum happened, he's like, I don't want to live here anymore, bye, and he moved here,
0: and became your teacher.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, it's good to come over here to a job. That's pretty good. So
1: yeah, that's. Uh, I feel like, I feel like Labor's making losses because everybody who voted for them left the country yeah. after Brexit.
0: Could be, and Dutch scientists have trained bees to sniff out COVID. And all I could think of is how terrifying is that? You you get diagnosed with COVID and you get a, swarmed by bees. Bees can sniff things. They have noses. Apparently, I don't well, want my well, I, I don't want my bees sniffing at COVID. I, quite frankly, I don't want any bees to be sniffing any disease because I don't want to be sick and swarmed by bees make something that doesn't sting you sniff out the diseases
1: That's how do I'm you saying. train bees to do anything
0: uh, little 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 chair and little whip same, and like, same way you do a lion how do you
1: also how do you like
0: like how do they tell you that there's COVID they ring a bell I don't know. What? I didn't read the article. I just read the headline. This isn't an in-depth. This isn't an in-depth story. This isn't. This isn't hard-hitting news. I disagree. I want to know more. Well, this is. That's what this is about. This is about teasing your your curiosity, so you go and and follow up on these very intriguing stories. Now, sticking in the EU, uh, they have approved their first insect for human consumption. Dried yellow mealworm can now be sold as food. EU officials suggest this insect could be used as a protein boost for cookies, pasta, or baked goods. Uh, The market for edible insects is set to reach 3.8 billion by 2027 according to a report that's out earlier this year. And this makes me not want to go to Europe anymore. You know, I was reading something online the other day that talked about how it's
1: often been floated that if there would be any country to join the European Union outside of Europe, it would be Canada. Canada would be the first. And I used to think, that sounds like a great idea. Until this story. That's right. (laughs) Because you know... I think it's a bad idea.
0: People are gonna do it. Like food companies are gonna do it, because I bet you dried yellow mealworm is cheaper than meat. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna grind up these insects and put it in everything, to get the protein boost up. And I now can't eat in Europe without looking at the ingredient list of everything, because I I I just don't want to eat insects. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not at that point in my life yet. We're selling our house, but I'm not at the instack e- eating stage. Kentmare, but not yet. Not yet. Prince Charles made a statement. He's looking to make the royals' private places become more public spaces, not in a rude way, They're housing, uh, <laughs> when he becomes king. Not and, in a uh, Prince Andrew way, a <laughs> Prince Charles way. And I think that's a great idea, but the only sentence that is a little bit maybe foggy is the when he becomes king sentence. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's, that is not
1: going to happen. He is already an old man. For the four days he's king that's, after his mom dies before exactly.
0: he dies? She's waiting him out, man. I swear she's waiting him out. She's like, I just don't want him to be king. Just keep me alive till he's gone, and then yeah. then I'm fine. Yeah. In a bit of a dire warning, the WHO, the WHO, says we're on track for the second year of the pandemic to be far more deadly than the first because of all the new variants and blah, blah, blah. India, blah, you know, Brazil, places, but anyway, bad news. Yeah, but
1: not here, so who
0: cares? Yeah, well, not here as long as we get our second shots. I want to get my second shot. That's later. Go ahead. Over to you, all over the world.
1: Uh, Before I start that, I was just... This seems like an opportune time to mention. I was talking to uh, one of my old professors yesterday, and I was mentioning that we have this podcast because we had talked about we we're talking about social media and all this stuff. And I mentioned that we did this podcast, and that I've thought about you know running for office in the future. And I said, if I do, everything online will have to be erased. This podcast will have to be erased from existence <laughs> because, in case it wasn't clear that but not here so who cares line was a joke But that's <laughs> gonna be the sound clip they b- clip out and run ads against me and i'm gonna get decimated you know
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: like some of the stuff i said on here would not play well with the general public I- out of
0: context <laughs> well, as long as you have the context as long as you have the whole thing you can just play the whole thing
1: yeah, but they're not going to see... Like, what am I going to do? Play the whole hour and a half episode to counteract their 30-second sound bite? Like, wh- which one are people going to listen to?
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure most people would have already listened to our full episode, so I wouldn't be worried about it.
1: Yeah, all right. Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> Violence. Violence. Violence is escalating in between Israel and Palestine as Israel escalates assaults in Gaza and the West Bank with lots of uh, missile strikes and hundreds of Palestinian casualties. It's kind of one of the big stories in the world right now.
0: They hit a government building or something the other day.
1: Yeah, it's pretty horrible. They raided a a worship center during a prayer. And, you know, I I have to say, I'm not pro-Palestine and anti-Israel. I'm pro-human rights and anti-violent oppression, and I feel like so much, especially in North America, but any criticism of Israel gets spun as anti-Semitism, but I feel comfortable saying it's, you know, even though I'm not Jewish, I feel comfortable saying it's not anti-Semitic to criticize... It's not anti-Semitic to be anti-Zionist. And, you know, I feel comfortable saying that because it's a line that's been said by Bernie Sanders. It's been said by Natalie Portman. Many, you know, prominent Jewish people who are famous in politics or, or for whatever other reason, they're critical of the, the, you know, actions of the really right-wing government in Israel. And it's not okay. I don't care. No past injustice justifies current injustice and so it's wrong what's going on in the west bank and gaza
0: why uh, do you know why it stepped up what what triggered it nobody's quite sure
1: a lot of people are theorizing it's because netanyahu's looking
0: like he's going to be out of power and he just wants to get this done before he leaves
1: yeah or he is trying to play t- the further right parties who have said they won't support him and gain their support. Oh, so he doesn't lose power. Yeah. Right. Or if if he thinks no deal is going to be made and they're going to face another election, he's trying to go towards those further right voters who didn't vote for his party last time. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe we should consider having Dan on next week. He's he always has good insights. In the yeah. uh, Israel Palestine uh, issues. Yeah. I thought we'll Jared Kushner was not going to solve this whole thing. What happened there?
1: Yeah, I think it, uh, you know,
0: COVID and uh, oh, yeah. um, it's COVID.
1: It's just, you know, some other things took some precedence, and then also, you know, he's completely incompetent, so that also played a factor. That <laughs> did have uh, something to do with it. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of COVID, we kind of already mentioned, it's ravaging India still. Things are not getting better. It's really taken a chunk out of uh, their prime minister Modi's really high popularity. And, you know, he's, it's interesting because there's a lot of similarities between him and Netanyahu, you know, obviously Netanyahu is a Hebrew nationalist and uh, Modi's a Hindu nationalist and he's conducted a lot of raids and violence against Sikhs in the country. And, uh, and Muslims. Um, so yeah, he's not a good man. Um, close with Donald Trump, and that tells you all to do to know. now. So, although it's for a horrible... You know, like, obviously, it's horrible what's happening in India. It's just so horrible. I was happy to see that his
0: popularity is starting to crumble because India would be better off without him. I was surprised when the numbers came back that showed India doing so well. I've been there. I know how... The masses live there, yeah. and and I just think they numbered... I think I think it was always bad. I don't think they had a dip and then a wall. I don't I don't think those are accurate numbers. I just think people didn't report it until it got from the slums to areas where people could afford to go to the hospital and whatnot. Yeah, uh, and could and, and and then you know and then it it just. Spiked, but I don't think it was ever better there. Uh, it's just, it's a mess, and it's—I don't know how. I mean, I mean, I don't know. How, I don't know what you do. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't know any. I mean, vaccines, but there's just so many people and so many sort of off the grid people, and how do you convince them to go get vaccines when you know the generally, uh, the system over there has been corrupt for years. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a real problem. And the problem, the other issue is, as we know, it's not going to stay in India if we can't solve it. So it's not an Indian problem, it is a world problem. So we all need to focus on it and fix it.
1: I agree. I was thinking the other day, because I was listening to a podcast, a CBC podcast, and they were talking about how pretty much every province in the country now has paused or canceled the use of AstraZeneca vaccines. Yeah. Um, And some of the questions were like, so are these like, just going to sit in a fridge forever then? Like, what's going to happen? And obviously, some of them need to be reserved for second doses for people who already have AstraZeneca. But, outside of that, if there's even more, a part of me was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to be like, you know, oh, this isn't good enough for us, so let's ship it off to some, you know, third world country. But another part of me is like India needs every vaccine they can get, and so it feels inhumane to just like let them sit in our freezers, send them there if we're not gonna use them.
0: Yeah, I mean and I I still am not hundred percent sure like how did it go from it's better to get the AstraZeneca to nothing to we're not giving the AstraZeneca anymore. And then if it is at that rate, then (laughs) should we be giving it to anybody? Like, if it's that bad that we can't give it to ourselves, I'm not sure we should be giving it to anybody. My understanding... Or just marketing.
1: I could be wrong. I could be wrong. My understanding is that it's not health experts that are saying don't take AstraZeneca. It's governments stepping in and saying don't give people AstraZeneca. And my guess would be that's more looks than anything else yeah because again to my understanding you are still more likely to die from covid than astrazeneca
0: yeah that's what i thought too but i don't know if that changed or anything but,
1: but eight people in ontario have got it have the blood clot from astrazeneca 28 people across canada got blood clots of astrazeneca and you know now it's not you know one or two and thirty seven million. It's twenty eight and thirty seven million. But no, it's not
0: twenty eight and thirty seven million. It's twenty eight and the number of people that got AstraZeneca. True, fair enough. But it's still you know which, it sounds which may not even be a million.
1: Yeah, but it's still like really high odds that you'll be fine. So so I don't know. I don't. My understanding is that it wasn't that the health advice was still the best vaccine you can get is the first one in your arm.
0: Yeah, I would have got it, but.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people who did. Yeah, um,
0: that's right. Because it, it was your age group they were giving it to, right? No, no, they're not allowed to give it to our age group. But a lot of, uh,
1: um, like Elizabeth's parents got AstraZeneca. A lot of my profs got AstraZeneca. Holly's parents got AstraZeneca. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of older people that I know. Right. Okay. But yeah, a little bit further north from India, and then a lot further up and kind of to the side. Uh, China landed its first spacecraft on Mars. Um, Mars is farther north or China? China's farther north, and then Mars is up. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is, you know, it's the first time any country besides the U.S. has been on Mars. And I was kind of looking at this story kind of like, oh, great, China's, you know, doing like, Are they doing, like, are they doing a robot right
0: battle up there?
1: Sorry? Are they doing a robot battle up there? Yeah, probably. But I also looked at this and thought, we're really all scared of China, and China's like... Said they're gonna launch their artificial moon and have a space space by like 2027. What? And I'm like. They're launching a Death Star? Yes. um <laughs> And. Don't I'm trying to like, launch a Death Star. E- but. But. But I don't like. They say that. But. The, U- the US has been on Mars for 50 years. Have
0: they? The 70s was when the first Mars rover landed. Oh, wow. Yeah, but to be fair, they haven't done a whole lot. Like, you know, they sent a helicopter this time. Ooh. Yeah, but also, China just got there. Yeah, you're right, but it just it just like, feels like all that stuff is it's it's interesting, and I'm sure there's a lot of data, but you know, it it some 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 of me, some part some part of me thinks maybe that money could be better spent on this planet.
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot of money
0: that could be better spent on this
1: planet. My first cut wouldn't be space budgets. It would be big company subsidies and military and that kind of, like... In the U.S. at least.
0: I don't mind space exploration, but what is the end game of putting robot after robot on Mars?
1: Yeah, well, that's fair. (laughs) Well, this time we're sending
0: a helicopter. Next time we're sending a hovercraft. (laughs) Great. If the plan is to like populate it and how does this how does this get us there yeah like I don't know maybe I I'm just like being short sighted to populate the moon first yeah that's just gonna be a hopping off point and plus you just need to go faster cause it just takes forever to get to Mars like it yeah, takes it a take lifetime right to get to Mars so you need to have kids on the way so that the people can actually
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it takes a long time
1: moving on There is a gas shortage in the U.S. for stupid reasons because a pipeline was subjected to a cyber attack Um, of the company that runs this pipeline, and due to that, they had to shut down the pipeline for a few days, might have been a a week or two, and then this got out, and then there was a bunch of stuff online from no credible account that said like, there's going to be gas shortages, so stock up. So everybody stocked up. Into this mass panic. Yeah. So there was no gas shortage until everybody went and bought all the gas. Yeah. And it got to the point where seventy percent of gas stations in North Carolina had no gas. Prices went up to like six bucks a gallon. Wow. And and it was the, so it was really bad in North Carolina. It was also bad in Georgia and South Carolina. And a bunch of those southern states, you know, it's it's sort of like become Biden's first big non-COVID crisis, and Republicans are like being comparing it to Jimmy Carter in the uh, '70s and his like energy crisis, and sharing memes saying the Biden presidency has a run out of gas, which is kind of clever. Um, but like, it is in no way should perform his fault. No, the systems were there so that everything would have been fine if people had just acted
0: normally smart. not but yeah. it's like the toilet paper situation here when we first covid first hit
1: yeah it would be the same as blaming Justin Trudeau for everybody buying out all the toilet paper yeah i can't stop people from going and buying things if i did that you'd be calling me you know an authoritarian dictator yeah like this is a free country. People are allowed to do that kind of thing, and then there's going to be consequences. So I can step in and help with the consequences, but there was no way to predict it. There was no way to stop it. It's like I don't know. I will, I will criticize people a lot and world leaders a lot because I expect a lot from our leaders. And I'll criticize Biden a lot because there's a lot to criticize Biden on But this is just not something you can. No, it's just stupidity and panic. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know ridiculous. Anyway, that's all I have. Still one of our longest all over the world, though.
0: I think so. Everything, every little thing, every little thing With you and me had to be So political Everything, everything With you and me Was so political Oh Man, political, you, uh, you wanna... Do yours? You always have more than me.
1: I have uh, a lot of text, but I'm hoping that just uh, means less conversation. (laughs) Uh, On Thursday, Quebec tabled Bill 96, which is a wide-ranging piece of legislation that could become the province's most stringent language law since Bill 101. And why is Bill 96 coming after Bill 101? I don't understand.
0: Maybe they're Um, counting down.
1: (laughs) They're only allowed... X number of bills. After they've done Bill 1, no more laws allowed. No more laws. None. We're out. We're out of laws. Anyway, most stringent law since Bill 101 passed in 1977. Hey, that's when we landed the rover on Mars. And it could have serious ramifications for businesses, courts, education, and immigration. If adopted, Bill 96 would make French the only required language in the workplace putting the onus on some businesses to explain why their employees need to speak English or any other language. Um, in a bold move, the province is also seeking to amend the Canadian constitution, adding clauses saying Quebec is a nation and that its official and common language is French. The CAQ government has preemptively invoked the nonwithstanding clause of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms to protect it from legal challenges. Premier Francois Legault said as Premier of Quebec, my first duty my very first duty is to protect our language and I have to say no it's not it really isn't your, your first duty your very first duty is to serve the people that elected you and to protect and uh, protect them and see their basic needs met um or at least create an environment where their basic needs can be met it has nothing to do with language
0: they've uh... um, they, don't, they haven't even signed the Constitution. Yeah. So why are they so looking to change I, the Constitution? Also, you can't just change the
1: Constitution by passing a bill. It is a large, complicated procedure that nobody wants to do.
0: No, but the, because it
1: loses you elections.
0: It, uh, it doesn't make sense. That's insane. And, uh... Also, it, go ahead. It never looks good, You're probably
1: doing something wrong if you have to invoke the notwithstanding clause, which for anybody listening who might not know, essentially is a clause that says, yes, this bill we're passing violates the basic rights of Canadians, but because we've invoked this clause, it cannot be struck down by the courts for five years. So you can't legally challenge it for five years. Really undemocratic clause, super stupid. And it really says something bad if you're invoking it before you've even passed the bill,
0: It should be... I didn't even know you could. I thought it had to be challenged. You had to lose that challenge, and then you invoke the not standing clause. Obviously, they know they're going to lose any challenges, so they're like, yeah, we're just... We're, we're doing it. This is not right, but we're doing it anyway.
1: Yeah. The other ridiculous thing is there's no limit as to how many times you can invoke it. So, really it nullifies the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You can just pass the law again and again
0: and again. Well, the, what you do is you vote out the people that pass laws to do that. And the, yeah. Vote out the people that invoke it again and again and again. Well, assuming they haven't used it to take away your right to vote already. <laughs> I, I don't right. know. This
1: is a really bad bill.
0: Why do they get to be different? Like they, They're the ones that are making us all put French as a second language in all government jobs, all these other things why do they get to be different? Why are that like why are they better? Yeah. We have to speak it's... we have to have French on our signs, we have to have in, in Ontario, in Saskatchewan across the country. You need English and French on your signs. You need English and French on your packaging. So why does Quebec not? It's ridiculous, of course they do. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with it. When I have a problem is when they get to do something different. Yeah, I agree. Like, we all adopted French as a s- official
1: language, so you don't get to ditch English now.
0: Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> quite frankly, I think the English won the, the War of Upper and Lower Canada, so you know what? Start speaking English.
1: Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. And, and but I mean, it's popular, I guess. This government is polling at 43% if an election were held today. 40, the the second place liberals
0: are at like 22. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that like their French, but man, oh man, drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. And they're racist and, anyway, speaking of racist, two Alberta MLAs were expelled from the United Conservative Party Caucus After allegations, they divided the party and undermined government leadership. Barnes, Todd Drew Barnes, the MLA for Cypress Medicine Hat, has become a prolific critic of Premier Jason Kenney's decisions during the pandemic. And Todd Lowen, the MLA for Central Peace Notley, went public with his dissatisfaction in a letter released early Thursday morning in which he called for Jason Kenney to resign. And I have to say, I think these are the third and fourth MLAs that they've had to kick out of caucus
0: for expressing two extreme views and at some point
1: really, you just gotta drop the United from your party title because clearly not so much
0: yeah
1: you know, well, a little less than United day, Conservatives yeah, at the end of the day United Conservative Party is just gonna be Jason Kenney and his cabinet surrounded by a bunch of independents and they're gonna be like we're the United Party because we've kicked out everybody who disagrees. <laughs> That's one way to bring out unity. Kick out everyone who doesn't have it. And every time they kick out uh, MP, they release a statement in which they refer to themselves as a the united caucus. And I just feel like every time they say, like, Now we're a united caucus. No, <laughs> now we're a united caucus. I know last time we said we're a united caucus, but now we're a united caucus. Like,
0: Jesus. That's funny. we are falling, they're literally
1: falling apart.
0: But you're hoping he hangs in for the next election because he's likely gonna lose.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't want Jason Kenney to go anywhere. I love that he's falling apart, but I don't want him to fall to the point where he's not there anymore. I want him to be in pieces dragging into the next election. So we'll see how that goes uh, as as we continue to fall to pieces here. In a blast from the past, the Federal Ethics Commissioner has cleared Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of wrongdoing in last summer's We Charity scandal. However, Ethics Commissioner Mario Dion also concluded that Bill Morneau, the finance minister at the time, did breach the Conflict of Interest Act when he failed to recuse himself from cabinet deliberations on the summer student grants contract. In his investigation report, uh, the commissioner stated that Trudeau, who apologized for not recusing himself from cabinet talks on the now-canceled program, didn't have a close relationship with the Kielberger brothers, while Morneau placed himself in a conflict of interest on several occasions.
0: My understanding uh, was Trudeau did have a pretty tight relationship with those brothers.
1: Yeah, maybe other members of his family was the ethics commissioner's conclusion. I don't know.
0: Maybe the ethics commissioner is a buddy of Trudeau. Maybe. Also possible. He has no ethics. I, I think Bill Morneau resigned. I feel like. I feel they like blame like the Marnot guy Marnot that's did. gone. Yeah. Yeah, they blame the guy that's gone. It's like yeah, how absolutely. we blame for everything at the house on you because you're not there. Yeah, exactly.
1: Anyway, remember Leslyn Lewis? Yeah, somehow. She came in third third place in the Conservative Party leadership contest. Right, yeah, yeah. So she's running for the Conservatives in a by-election coming up that is considered a safe seat for the Conservatives. Like, in no situation, in no realistic situation, do the Conservatives lose this seat. So she's going to be an MP for the first time. And O'Toole is like welcoming her with open arms. A lot of her support went to O'Toole when she got kicked off the on, on the second ballot. And uh, O'Toole said, you know, coming leadership, you know, we look forward to the opportunity to get Leslin in at the next possible election. Now it's coming. But it could be a bit of a headache for O'Toole, as Lewis is a leading voice amongst the social conservative wing of the party who gained a national following during the conservative leadership race, especially after she surprised people by coming in first place in Saskatchewan and, and having such a strong second ballot performance, even though she came in third. In an, and you know, in an op-ed for the National Post recently, she wrote that uh, liberals had an authoritarian socialist agenda and accused the federal government of imposing inconsistent COVID-19 restrictions on families small businesses, and places of worship. Restrictions which were actually imposed by provincial governments, most of them conservative. She also wrote that she was hearing from Canadians who fear that the, quote, the liberals will impose a social credit score similar to the one that exists in China where people's behaviors are monitored through 5G cameras. And this is a woman who O'Toole is probably gonna bring into his shadow cabinet. And that is just gonna be so much cannon fodder for the NDP and liberals in the next election yeah like this is a prominent conservative with and you know I think O'Toole's going to want to prop her up because she's also a black woman two minority groups three minority groups um, you know black Canadians women and black women Canadians um, Canadian women um, that the conservatives struggle with and want to appease but then i think they're going to give her such a platform and then she's going to say some pretty conspiratorial things which there's no denying these are uh and it's going to really hurt the conservative party you already have a social conservative problem yeah yeah absolutely i don't think it's looking good the past year saw lobbyists set a record for the number of contacts with official ottawa as they tried to influence how Trudeau's government spent billions of dollars on pandemic aid. Canada's lobbying commissioner said Friday, um, testifying before the House of Commons Ethics Committee on her annual budget, that there was a record number of meetings over the past year between lobbyists and MPs, ministerial aides, and key public servants, resulting in 28,919 communication reports which is a 54% increase over the previous year's total of 18,728, and it beats the previous record of 27,522 set in the 2018-19 year. It saw 2,457 new registrations to lobby the federal government, an increase of 41%, and March 2021 set a record for the highest monthly average of active lobbyists, 6,435, and all of that is bad for democracy.
0: More money, more lobbyists.
1: That makes sense. And, like,
0: to a degree, like,
1: lobbying is bad. I don't think it's as bad as some people think because sometimes the lobbyists you're hearing are from, you know, like, environmental groups and science groups and, like, all these people who base a bunch of stuff on, like, research data and science, they lobby the government through lobbyist channels. But the big corporations with the big money, who have much worse motives, they're obviously the ones with the more lobbying power because they can afford more lobbyists, you know? They get more time. So, it is. there's a problem in the lobbying system. I don't know if it's necessarily we should just scrap all lobbyists because that's sometimes, a lot of times that's how people hear from experts, but there are serious problems.
0: Yeah absolutely I mean you you definitely need to make sure that the you know the lobbyists can't necessarily contribute to campaigns and things like that because that's when you run into real problems yeah but uh, I I, I don't know how you stop it yeah anyway moving to the
1: US on Wednesday more than 120 Republicans including former elected officials um, and uh, people under former administrations, uh, including some from Trump, but also Ronald Reagan, George H. W. Bush, and George W. Bush, met virtually to discuss... Oh, I'm sorry, this is an old story. Huh? I pulled out, I, I, I pulled out an old article because this, the date I had here is February 5th. The story I'm trying to talk about that is modern, over 100 Republicans a lot of them, it is true, who served under the Trump administration and Reagan and both Bushes, penned a letter uh, essentially saying that they're forming a movement that will try to push the party away from Trump and threaten that if that didn't work, then forming a new party that is more center-right. This is obviously a Democrat's dream, whereas a lot of People who have been anti-Trump, like current elected officials like Liz Cheney, who I know you're talking about later, and also Adam Kitzinger, had uh, had come out against it, saying it would only help Democrats. But some of the stuff I was reading and listening to was saying like, yeah, these people know that it would only help Democrats, and that is their weapon. Like their weapon is if you don't move away from Trump, if you don't stop undermining our democracy, stop spreading the big lie of election fraud, stop like all this racist rhetoric. That is causing hate crimes. We're going to make sure you don't win elections, and that's going to hand it to the Democrats. And yeah, we know.
0: Sucks, but this cannot be the Republican Party. The uh, so move or be decimated. Kevin, I think it was Kevin McCarthy said uh, after they booted Cheney. They, you know, they asked him at the election. He's like, "Oh, I don't think anybody's saying the election was fraudulent. I don't think anybody's questioning the election results." Really, Kevin? You don't think that? You don't think that's what you've been doing for the last six months?
1: Yeah. He is not an inspiring leader. He was a bad choice for this post. Yeah. Anyway, more on that later. I have some more stuff to say about that story, but now you're talking about it. Um, Over in Michigan, Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, instructed the Enbridge pipeline to stop operating Line 5 by May 12th. She did this months ago because of her concerns. Sorry, you know what's funny, I just got popped up a notification on my phone by a late show with Stephen Colbert, and it says, McCarthy admits election wasn't stolen, (laughs) is the (laughs) title of the video, Uh, just as we're talking about it. Anyway, uh, yes, Gretchen Whitmer months ago told Enbridge to stop operating the Line 5 pipeline by May 12th because of her concerns that an oil spill beneath the Straits of Mackinac could devastate the Great Lakes but Enbridge maintains the underwater section of the pipeline is safe and an upgrade replacement has already been approved. Enbridge Senior Vice President Mike Fernandez said that the Line 5 does not have to stop operating while legal process is underway in the United States. This matter sits in federal court today. The federal judge who is in charge of this case has required both parties to participate in mediation, but Whitmer told US media that she will go after the revenue generated every day the pipeline operates past her deadline. Now, this is a Canadian issue because the pipeline delivers to Ontario and Quebec, and I don't know the Ontario numbers, but it delivers 40% of Quebec's oil supply. Um, the Ontario government estimates that 4,900 jobs in the Sarnia region rely on line 5 continuing to flow. So it's so the Canadian government has uh, made an injunction in the court that essentially just says, like, hey, this is also in our interest and we support Enbridge. But... So listen, I have a lot of thoughts on this because we need to move away from oil and the Great Lakes ecosystem is fragile and this is a pipeline that just sits on the bed of the Great Lake. It's not even underground. It just sits on the bed. So if that thing leaked, it's in the water. It's everywhere. And, you know, the thing with pipelines is it's always completely safe until it leaks. Like... Pipelines, they leak at some point. And this is a very
0: old pipeline.
1: Which is is why they're
0: doing the upgrade, right? Sorry? Which is why they're doing the upgrade? Yes, they're doing an upgrade. They're,
1: They're going to encase it in
0: concrete,
1: but they're not encasing it in concrete tomorrow. You know, it could leak tomorrow. You know, maybe the compromise is shut it down to encase it in concrete. I understand it's really tough, though, because it delivers so much from Ontario and Quebec, and because there's so many jobs, but also, like, there are always going to be jobs tied to the oil industry, until there's not, when we run out of oil, but we can't wait till we run out of oil, we need to start moving away now, because of climate change, and and it's not like Gretchen Whitmer did this out of nowhere, she had like, months and months and months ago, there was plenty of time for governments to put in some sort of plan to help transition these workers away into some sort of other job. But I still understand it's difficult. But a part of me feels like, yeah, it's always gonna be difficult. It's gonna be hard, but these are the hard choices that need to be made now because of the decisions that we've, situation we put ourselves in, where we need to act quickly and drastically to fight climate change. And Gretchen Lindbergh gave a lot of time to enbridge to figure out what they're gonna do how they're gonna stop it and that's a lot of time for the ontario government now i don't know what her reach out to the ontario government was there probably should have been some i don't think there was and i think maybe michigan should have been like hey we know this is going to cause you a lot of jobs so we're going to help you out in some sort of way but these kind of tough decisions do need to be made
0: they do yeah enbridge is going to get the royal there one way or another no, not they're not gonna stop using oil because this pipeline gets shut down. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. It'll just be in a less reliable manner. It has a more true. likely chance of being spilled or whatever. Yeah, that's the other side. Uh, I I mean, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but you know, and maybe
1: you do that until you encase it in pipe and concrete until you keep doing the pipeline, but I don't know. It's it's a really tough situation. Because we just need to not use oil as
0: much. Yeah, you you know what we should do is have people take buses instead of everybody driving their own car. Yeah. If only there was a bus line that we could use. Yeah, really. Speaking of climate change, and back to Canada,
1: nearly 43%, sorry, nearly half, specifically 43%, of registered conservatives believe climate change is caused by, quote, natural cycles the Earth goes through. 17% 17% believe it's completely fake. So that's a total of 60% of conservatives don't believe in man-made climate change. Only one third, a little bit higher, 34% believe that it's man-made. And that's a big problem coming from the second biggest party in the country.
0: I'm surprised those numbers aren't reversed. I'm surprised we've yeah. got 17 natural cycles and 43% fake. Oh, well, unfortunately, yeah.
1: That being said, this poll was done by Angus Reid, which is considered a very reputable pollster. I do have questions, though, because the party where most people believe that climate change is caused by humans at 92% is the Bloc Quebecois. The second highest, at 91%, is the NDP. The third highest, At ninety percent are the liberals, and the second to last party, at eighty nine percent, is the Green Party. Well, that's funny. Why are you voting Green
0: if you don't think climate change is man made? Yeah, I, I, I can't believe the block is the highest.
1: Yeah. That being said, the block and the Greens are the only two. Who say that with no percentage of the party that says climate change is fake?
0: They're the only two.
1: The only two, yeah. Like it's something it like if I were to say, it, say it's like two percent of the NDP and one percent of the Liberals,
0: yeah,
1: um, and then zero of the Green and zero of the Bloc. But and then the Grand Canadian total is seventy percent think it's real, nineteen think it's natural cycles, and seven percent think it's fake. And the, but the other takeaway from that poll is how drastically different the numbers are for the conservatives like it's literally descending for everybody else 92 91 90 89 one yeah. percent difference going down yeah, yeah. and then it drops from 89 to 34 yeah it's a big drop yeah the national average the cons- less than the conservative number of who believe it's caused by humans is less than half of the national average yeah that's uh... 34 and 70 percent like that's crazy to me. The amount who believe it's fake is more than double the
0: national average. Well, like, I mean, they're in the party like, you'd expect them to be in.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you would hope more. Like, like they're like most of the reason the average is 7%. If you get rid of them, the average is probably 1%.
0: But they have, uh, didn't they just put that in their platform? That it's not real? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Oh, I mean, th- these aren't surprising numbers.
1: I mean, okay, to be fair, they didn't put in a platform that's not real. They rejected uh, <laughs> putting in their platform that it is real. Okay. Which is a minimalist difference. <laughs> it is a difference. Anyway, that was long, much longer than I was hoping. But that's what I have for political. Take it away. <laughs>
0: All okay, right. Well, an, an alleged U.S. Capitol rioter, whose name is uh, Anthony Antonio, just kind of two first names. Like, isn't that uh, Tony Tony? Yes, it is. It's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a Stan Lee villain or something, or a DC Comics villain. You know, Anthony yeah. Antonio. I hope I hope his friends call him Tony Squared. Tony Squared. Uh, anyway, he was he was hooked on Fox News, and developed Foxitis, is what his lawyer said. In, uh, in his court hearing, that was also interrupted multiple times by another defendant's profane outbursts, and I I don't I don't buy this. He was saying, you know, he's stuck at home watching Fox, and he believed everything they said, so they call this Foxitis. But I think, to me, it's a bit like Draymond blaming the uh, bartenders for drunk drivers. Right? He he was the one that decided to watch Fox in the beginning, and. Yeah, you know, whatever you do from there, you, based on that decision, it's your own fault. I hope... I don't... This was a couple of weeks ago, so it might be over now, and I don't know what happened. I should have should have looked it up, but I'll try to look it up for next week and see exactly what happened, because yeah, I, I watch Fox News is not a defense for rioting, I don't think. Or at least it shouldn't be. It's a reason, but it's not an excuse.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's not an excuse. Um, I, I, I would say it's a little different... Than the blaming the bartender because um, when you drink, you know you will get drunk. But when you watch a quote-unquote news channel, you're not expecting to be lied to. You should be. Like there's no reason but in they, the modern age they why have,
0: anybody should watch Fox News and believe it. That's already been to court, right? They Tucker Carlson was taken to court, and and they said the judge said. It, it was acquitted because there's there's no expectation of truth from... If you're watching him, you should know it's not true. Yeah, but not everybody does know that.
1: And, you know, it's different in America. People um, pay attention to different things. I don't want to just say they're stupid, but they pay attention to different things um, because they're stupid. <laughs> and um, it's...
0: I don't know. You, you just... There was also there, there was also plenty of channels saying that that wasn't the case. You know what I mean? Like if yeah,
1: but also you know here's the thing, if you're
0: I mean Fox News has always
1: lied and they've always had the crazies, but they've kind of gotten worse since Donald Trump and along with the rest of the Republican party. So if you're watching Fox News your whole life, you know, under, I don't know how old this guy was, but say H.W. Bush through regular Bush and, uh, and, you know, back when it was semi more reliable or at least less crazy and then it gradually gets more crazy you might get a little bit more crazy with it as you have no reason to necessarily not believe it if that's the only news you're exposing yourself to which you shouldn't ever rely on one news channel but a lot of people do because they feel the comfort of the same people every day and they're like this is what I trust because everybody wants
0: something to trust yeah maybe still it's uh, I just I don't buy it I think he's just trying to get his client off oh listen horrible legal excuse but I do understand what he's saying. Well, it's keeping on with the theme. Lindsey Graham has said the Republican party can't go on without Trump. So it feels like someone's not taking the breakup. Well, (laughs) he keeps texting, sending him Instagrams. Please come back. (laughs) I,
1: I was listening to a commentator the other day talking about how the Republican party has put itself in an impossible position where they're going to struggle without distancing themselves from Trump, like if they drag Trump along with them all the time, that's what lost them the last election. They will struggle if they distance themselves from Trump, or sorry, if they stay with Trump, but they'll also struggle if they distance themselves from Trump because they'll gain back those more moderate independents, but they will lose the hardcore Trump base, which is like 40% of their party, that will vote, however Trump tells them. And if Trump says, "Hey, don't vote GOP anymore," they're not going to go vote.
0: Yeah,
1: you know. Right. So yeah, that sounds great to us, but but like the Republican Party isn't that impossible position as they can't go on with, and they can't go on without. <laughs>
0: They've basically
1: started their own destruction.
0: No, they can go on without. It doesn't. If, those people still vote. They have to vote because. But they, they don't vote. But Trump is so petty. He will start a third party if the GOP separates enough out from him. Uh, maybe. I hope so, but I don't think so. He will. He's so, no, so nice no, He'll make it seem or, like it was his idea. He's stepping back for whatever. He'll just twist yeah, it that way. Yeah, because we've definitely seen in his personality that he's willing to step back. No, I'm not saying that's, what, that's how he will spin it. It's not what's happening, but that's how he'll spin it. I don't see maybe. him making a third party. I just, I, see. I, I'm not even sure he's going to run again next time. I think it's all talk. I don't think he really enjoyed it, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader. When I wrote this, they were talking about booting Liz Cheney, and but now they they have. She's she's out from uh, from her role as the GOP conference chair for basically saying Trump the election wasn't stolen, Trump lost the election. That's basically what she said. And for that, she's gone. And, and yeah. McCarthy said his, his his members had voiced concerns about her ability to carry out her job duties. It seems like she's the only one there that maybe can has any ability to carry out her job duties. Yeah, they did it in
1: really a shady way too. They did it by a voice vote. So normally these things are done on either secret ballots or public ballots. So either there is complete anonymity and people can, you know, maybe go vote to support Liz Cheney because they actually think she's doing a good job. But like their constituents being like, I voted to get her out to keep the Trump voters or in which case she probably wouldn't be removed. Um, A public vote would, you know, there's no anonymity. People would know either way and again would would probably end up her being removed uh sorry secret vote she probably would have stayed public vote she gets removed they did a voice vote so it's just this random mesh of voices where she got removed removed but now people can go uh lie about it either way because there's really no way to tell <laughs> so that's pretty shady yeah And also the woman who they're looking at replacing her with something Stefanik, like Elise Stefanik or something like that from New York's 21st district. Over Trump's presidency, Liz Cheney voted with Trump 93% of the time. This Stefanik woman voted with Trump 71% of the time. But Liz Cheney voted to impeach him, Stefanik did not. And that's the only vote that counts. Like, they're putting in somebody who is less of a Trump supporter than Liz Cheney, but the impeachment vote is the only one that counts. And the, Stefanik has said the election was stolen. That's the only one that counts. Yeah, that's And funny. I find it ironic that this is the party, you know, where they've talked a lot about East Coast liberal Democrats, you know, and they they criticize the, you know, urban areas for not supporting the rural areas and stuff like that. And their current leader in the House is a California Democrat. And now their third is going to be a new... Sorry, their leader in the House is a California, from California, Republican from California. And their now third is going to be from New York. Like, they kicked out Wyoming, the most rural state, and brought in somebody from an, an urban area in New York.
0: Yeah, but they believed, they voted that uh, the election was stolen, so it doesn't matter where they're from.
1: Yeah, I guess. But it's it's ridiculous, and it's hypocritical, and of course it is. Yeah.
0: And finally, uh, Doug Ford has extended the lockdown in Ontario for another two weeks until June 5th. And man, oh man, can we just hurry up and vaccinate and get this done with? Please? Please? Yeah, really. It just feels like we're so far behind other places now, it's disappointing.
1: We're now vaccinating more people per day uh, per capita than the U.S., but that's because they're all vaccinated. This is less people to vaccinate there. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, no, it's coming along. It's just, man, I just want my second shot, and then I, I think I figure I'm good. Two shots, and I've had it. I am good. I don't need a mask anymore. <laughs> I can go. I can go back to uh, licking public fountains.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, uh, I'm excited to go back to licking LRT seats. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: trying to tell you something about my
0: life. All right, closer to fine. You know what's funny is like 80% of our f- podcast is in 60% of the sections. And the last two sections are always just, you know, throw-ins. But anyway. Yeah. Closer to Fine, what do you got?
1: What do I have for Closer to Fine? Well, i tell you if my uh, outline was scrolling down properly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, here we go. Um, Canadians who have been vaccinated with at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine can socialize with close family and friends outdoors over the summer months. Um, as Canada's chief public health officer said, a few days ago. With the vaccine supply ramping up, virtually all Canadians will have access to at least one vaccine dose by June. Dr Theresa Tam said that extra layer of protection will allow some of the more social distancing measures to be relaxed, but Canadians must continue to avoid indoor gatherings altogether until more people are fully vaccinated. Tam said a more social summer will depend on Canadians staying apart for the rest of the spring. And the case count is still too high and vaccination coverage too low to do away with public health measures right now. Even partially vaccinated people should stay away from others until there's broader vaccine coverage in the weeks ahead. The magic number is 75% of all adults have had at least one vaccine and 20% are fully vaccinated.
0: Um, But that doesn't apply in Ontario because we're in lockdown.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, this comes off of the U.S. saying that if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask indoors or outdoors anymore. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But, you know, that is closer to fine for us, so it's really perfect for this section.
0: Well, I've been been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs started, I think yesterday was the first games, and then again today. And there's been some fantastic hockey It's that you just cannot beat playoff hockey Florida-Tampa which are two teams I couldn't care less about and it was a game that was on just before we started this was a fantastic game like 5-4 but a goaltending battle really like both goalies made some incredible saves uh, so many chances hitting so much hitting such a physical game just fantastic uh minnesota las vegas was also a very entertaining game and and because a lot of them are in the u.s well, all the games that have happened so far have been in the u.s they have 25 percent capacity in the stands and it's just great to see people there enjoying the game and and getting that sort of organic uh reaction rather than the piped in one um that, that we've had for a year and a, a year and a bit so yeah that is closer to fine for me <laughs> uh, alright parting thoughts and I, I, I have a few meals that I sort of have on a, on a do not eat list when I'm going out for like a business meeting or something like uh, wings um Spaghetti, uh, not not penne, like specifically spaghetti or angel hair, like any sort of long pasta. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. That's a, a no go. Uh, ribs, you know, it's another no go. But I, I had dinner tonight. It wasn't it wasn't a business dinner, but I've now added uh, a beef dip. Great sandwich, but super messy. Like there's just no yeah. way you can dip a roast beef sandwich that has. You know, horseradish on it, and and fried onions, and cheese in a in a cup of Oju and not uh, be a mess afterwards. So yeah, great dinner. And it was you know just me and Nelson, so it didn't matter. But added to the list of uh, of do not eat um, in in important meetings, important yeah. important dinners. It's a it's a it's a substantial list, but it's an important uh, it's an important thing to have. If, if, if you have anything on your list, yeah, shoot us an email, dadsrightpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and uh, finally, I re- I just want my second vaccine. I just <laughs> want to be done it. Can you please just everybody go get their first so I can get my second? Come on. <laughs> What's taking so long? I was hoping yeah. I'd be able to do it now that I'm in Saskatoon, but... They aren't doing second ones yet, so I'm still waiting, which is frustrating. Yeah. Although I figure even with one vaccine and having had COVID, I'm probably pretty good. Yeah. But but I just want that second one so that I'm uh, you know, like Iron Man when it comes to COVID. <laughs> uh, well, you know,
1: I got my first vaccine hey. <laughs> um, on Wednesday. And, and, uh, I got Moderna. I really wanted Pfizer, but I got Moderna. Mom got Moderna. Um, I know. It's... I'm trying to be okay with it, but Pfizer's better. Um... But whatever. I got my vaccine. Yay. Uh, <laughs> and, and I didn't uh, steal
0: your thunder after your... <laughs> yes, family I do chat. appreciate
1: that. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Um you know, I, I I got it. And then I was like, that day I was like, "Mm, my arm's really sore. Um, and I'm tired. And I went to bed and the next day I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, my arm is sore and I'm tired. Um, but I went to class and then I went home from class like later in the day. And I was like, holy shit, my arm is sore and I am tired. Like i oh, I was like nearly passing out and my arm was so sore and it kind of would move up my shoulder into my neck and on my chest. And like I started starting get like little hot flashes. Um, and uh, I was like, holy geez. And, and um, I eventually just decided I was like, I can't go to rehearsal. I can't, like my body's literally fighting itself. And if I try to go today, I'm I'm probably gonna be worse tomorrow. So I stayed home and I zoomed into rehearsal, and then I felt fine the day after, like having a, a a full afternoon and evening of rest and a good night's sleep. Like I felt good the next day, um, but it really punches you in the gut. Uh, well, I guess not for everybody, but it
0: did for me. Yeah, Mom had a sick day as well. She yeah. took a few Tylenols every couple hours, you know.
1: But, but I did have a bit of a saga which I probably didn't talk about because we didn't do one last week yeah. of trying to get the vaccine but I was on a bunch of vaccine wait lists um, um, at various pharmacies and stuff and I got called into one um, the Tuesday not this just past Tuesday the Tuesday before and they said we can give you a vaccine now and I went there And they were like, oh, yeah, what's your Alberta health number? And I said, well, I don't have one. But Alberta Health Services said that's fine for this vaccine. And they were like, no, we can't give you one with an Alberta health number. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we have Alberta Health Services can give you one directly when your time's up, but we can't give you one early because we have a different billing structure. And I was like, are we not in the middle of a global pandemic? Do we not need to be vaccinating everybody
0: yeah the billing structure feels like something that should be able to be overcome
1: yeah like you have taken out a vaccine for me i am here now at an appointment and you're telling me you won't put a vaccine in my arm because of the billing structure in our country with quote-unquote free health care yeah that's disappointing yeah, they just refused to hit anyone. So I had to go, and I was lucky because it was this, you know, this just this past Monday. So the next Monday that they were opening up people in my age group, so I only had to wait about another week. But I was like, this is why we've said it on the show before. This is why healthcare needs to be federal. Like, I should be able to get a vaccine, no problems, as soon as I'm able, wherever I am in the country no matter what. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know. It's so stupid, and I kind of, you know, this isn't going to happen, but unrelated, um, semi-related, you'll see, how I was listening to, because I listen to CBC's Power Politics sometimes. It's that podcast. Um, and they had on the premiere of Newfoundland and Labrador, which is uh, has massive, massive, massive budgetary issues they're $47 billion in debt as a province, and um, they just had a big report released, uh, an independent report commissioned by the government on like, how can we be better, and it recommended um, tax hikes for rich people and then wage rollbacks for public service employees and cuts to healthcare and education. And Tax hikes for rich people sounds great. I'm against healthcare rollbacks and uh, sorry wage rollbacks and cuts to healthcare and education because um, you make cuts to healthcare and education, you are getting people who are going to have worse jobs and because they're not getting a good education, they're going to be making less money because of wage cuts um, and spending more on healthcare because you made healthcare cuts, and then you're going to have. Didn't Less we learn other spending that goes into the economy.
0: Didn't we learn and, from this that health care is not where we want to cut?
1: Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, now, the government hasn't said exactly what they're going to do, so they might not cut health care. But I kind of, like, when I heard they had the premier on, he was talking about this, and I wanted to just, like, yell at him through the phone, being like, don't cut health care. Voluntarily hand it over to the federal government. Like, start something. Like, it doesn't really matter if it's just your province. It doesn't really change anything. But, like, the government, start a thing. Would the federal government take it? Well, maybe not. But it would at least start the conversation of, uh, like, I, I, it never occurred to me, but I feel like that's a way to even appeal it to conservatives of, like, a provincial conservative governments is, like, Reduce your spending by just pushing off health care to the federal
0: government. Yeah. Um, Although like, they don't get the intake of money either then, right? But what intake of money is there really? Well, don't they get money from the feds for health They get
1: money from the feds for specifically health care.
0: Yeah, so they, then they have a bigger budget, so they're more important.
1: Oh, well, maybe, but still, I mean, people are always saying that they're running deficits on healthcare, so just offload it to somebody else. Like, the federal government has more monetary power to run, and obviously, you know, it's not like, yeah, it has more monetary power and then you're running it on a larger system, but still, I, I, I have to think they'd be able to run a... Decent healthcare system on a national level because it happens in other countries.
0: With, yes, smaller, smaller countries, countries, but higher in population. Which is even easier, though. Like, it's the size of the country that's the problem, and the fact that but, there's different issues to spending on where you are in the country.
1: But that's, and then, that, you know, you can reallocate spending as you need, but. It's still, I think, a crappy excuse in the modern age when you can get information across the country in a second and people across the country in a matter of hours.
0: Yeah, I, it, it has changed for sure uh, with the internet and whatnot. And I, I still, I think it's, I think it's doable, but I do also understand, you know, there's, there's going to be ch- It's not easy. There's going to be a lot of challenges yeah, but governing shouldn't be easy. <laughs> yeah, but they aren't necessarily good at hard. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I mean, we both agree. The pros outweigh the cons.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the potential pros outweigh the cons anyway. I mean, it could yeah. all go sideways very quickly. Whenever it you It could, give but I really think it could have really helped this specific crisis oh it definitely could have helped this crisis no question no question yeah anyway that's all i got Alrighty, well thanks for listening and we will talk at you again next week